0: You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Josh Barker, and this is the Policy Corner. Today, we're going to take a look at HR 4346, the Chips and Science Act of 2022, commonly referred to as Chips Plus. It passed the Senate 64 to 33 and the House 243 to 187 in July, and was signed by the President at the beginning of August. Two weeks ago, we talked about how Build Back Better's failure turned into a much smaller, compromised version, the Inflation Reduction Act. CHIPS Plus has a very similar legislative history. It began as USICA, the United States Innovation and Competition Act, a $54 billion spending package which passed the Senate in June of 2021. Then the House passed an amended version, the America Competes Act, which would have spent $72 billion in February of 2022. The two versions had some big differences, Despite a conference committee attempting to meddle out the differences and find a version of the much larger package that both the House and the Senate could agree to, what resulted was a much smaller package, CHIPS Plus. CHIPS Plus is most notable for its inclusion of the CHIPS Act, which would establish a $50 billion incentive fund to promote domestic chip and semiconductor manufacturing. The Department of Commerce would administer the program to help subsidize investment in building chip foundries in the U.S. and to help with research and development as well as tax credits for doing both of those things. That's the core of the bill. However, in addition, there is that plus part. It would give $10 billion for the establishment of 20 regional technology and innovation hubs, also run by the Department of Commerce. At the National Science Foundation, it would establish a $20 billion directorate for technology innovations and partnerships that would assist in centralizing and coordinating federal research funds in order to, quote, grow the domestic workforce in key technology-focused areas and expand participation of United States students and researchers in areas of societal, national, and geostrategic importance. Some other provisions include more STEM promotional programs from the National Science Foundation, bulking up resources at NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, as well as its Manufacturing USA program, and providing increased funding to the Department of Energy's Office of Science and for new equipment and infrastructure of the DOE's 17 national laboratories. Supporters argue that domestic chip manufacturing is critical, and COVID-19 exposed many of the problems in our semiconductor supply chains. Chips go into more than just computers and smartphones, which of course are critical in our modern digital economy but also household appliances, cars, healthcare technology, and devices, and just about every other electronic device there is. In 2020, Taiwan made 63% of the semiconductor market, though it accounts for a whopping 92% of the most advanced chips worldwide. South Korea comes in next with 18%. Another 6% comes from mainland China. The U.S. exports about $5 billion of semiconductor devices annually, while importing $12.5 billion. According to the OECD, since 2000, Chinese semiconductor exports have gone up 1,800%. Smaller East Asian countries such as Malaysia, Taiwan, and South Korea have seen exports up between 2 and 300%. Singapore and Vietnam are up about 100%, and this is while U.S. semiconductor exports have gone down 10%. At the same time, U.S. imports have gone up 125%. The U.S. has gone from producing 37% of the world's semiconductors to only 12% today. The bill's supporters have called the legislation tough on China and necessary to counteract Chinese influence in the chip market. And if an invasion of Taiwan were to happen soon, it would help the U.S. have an alternative supply of semiconductors. Senate Commerce Committee Chairwoman and Senator Maria Cantwell argues, especially in light of the semiconductor shortages, this legislation is necessary. So our current foundries are already working overtime. Building new foundries has to be part of the long-term solution, and we need to send that price signal today. If we do nothing, these shortages are just an example of what is to come. The committee's ranking member, Republican Senator Roger Wicker, argues the U.S. must follow suit like other countries in Southeast Asia. Governments in these locations around the world have made a decision to spend government funds to incentivize the production of these chips in their jurisdictions. And if we're going to get them back, we're going to have to do, as the CHIPS Act suggests, and spend some money out of the federal treasury uh, through either grants, loans, or tax incentives to incentivize manufacturing here in the United States. Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger said that Intel's domestic chip expansion will happen in the U.S. regardless of CHIPS funding, but the funding would be helpful. I want to go bigger and faster. That's what the CHIPS Act will enable us to do. Opponents note that it is based on the same protectionist ideas championed by President Trump. They're also concerned that the massive amounts of deficit spending, which means it'll be paid for by printing more money, are first and foremost going to increase inflation and are unnecessary for U.S. security. They also note that rising chip prices and profits will encourage more foundries in the U.S. and allied nations without the need for tens of billions of taxpayer dollars. Senator Rick Scott disagrees that the bill is tough on China, saying that instead it picks winners and losers among chip companies and provides corporate welfare to some of the nation's most profitable companies. It's not anti China, and we're not going to get a return. I mean, if we don't want to buy things made in China, just say our federal government's not going to buy anything made with chips from communist China. That's pretty simple. That doesn't cost a lot of money. Intel Corporation made $20 billion last year. Guess what? We're going to give them some money to build a the plant, then we're going to give a tax deduction for building the plant, and then we're going to give them a tax credit for building the plant. And guess what? They can keep doing business in China. This is going to be an add to the debt, add to the inflation, add to the deficit. That's all this is going to do. That's all for now, thanks for tuning into Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.